You're listening to Beyond the Plate with Andrew Kaplan. This sounds so weird. You're listening to Beyond the Plate with Cappy. God, is this podcast over yet? I'm so hungry. All right, calm it down. I want carbonara now. Hey, everyone, this is Cappy, and you're listening to Just the Plate, a production of Beyond the Plate. Just the Plate is a short segment where chefs describe a recipe sharing insider tips and tricks on what makes this their favorite dish. Today, you'll hear from Rachel Ray. Ray is the host of syndicated daytime television show, Rachel Ray, and has had multiple shows on the Food Network, authored 22 cookbooks, is the founder and editorial director of her own magazine, Rachel Ray Every Day, and the creator of her own line of cookware, cutlery, kitchen tools, signature food ingredients, and more. In 2008, she created a line of pet food called Nutrish, from which she has donated $16 million to help support animals in need. In 2007, she launched a cooking and kids charity called Yummo, and most recently introduced a home furnishings line with the Rachel Ray Home Collection. If you missed last week's episode, please be sure to check that out. In this episode, Rachel takes us step-by-step through her carbonara pasta just like she makes it at home for her husband, John Cusimano, every year on his birthday. Plus, she'll share what brand of pasta she uses. Hint, it's the Pope's pasta brand of choice. And then her husband, John, joins us and walks us through a Negroni cocktail. Now I'll stop talking, but get hungry and thirsty. Hey everybody, I'm Rachel Ray, and I'm here with my husband, John Cusimano. And I'm John Cusimano, and I'm here with my wife, Rachel Ray. (laughs) My husband and I have been married for 12 years, but we've been together closer to 20, about 16, going on 17 years. You're dating us right now, honey. Yes. Well, you know, it's not like they can't Google when we were born, kid. My husband is obsessed with one dish, coal miner's pasta carbonara. It's my going to the gallows last meal, but only if you make it. It's what he wants before and after. Side note, my friend Melanie Dunay, a very wonderful photographer, has a series of books about last meals from chefs and cooks. And she asked me to partake in it. And she asked me what my last meal would be. And I said I wouldn't want to eat anything because I would be really bummed out that I'm about to die. So I gave her the, the first meal I would want in heaven. And it was with my grandfather and my dog that passed away, Boo. Is Boo still alive? Boo was my first dog. Boo loved butternut squash, and my grandfather and I loved anchovies and sardines. So it would be aglio, aglio, garlic and oil spaghetti with a lot of anchovies. And then we'd have a side dish of roast butternut squash, and I'd be eating with my grandfather and my dog Boo in heaven. Yeah, I'm going to go out with a bang. I'm going to eat your carbonara, and then they're going to kill me, I guess. (laughs) Or maybe my carbonara could kill you because it has so many egg yolks. No, it's good. And fatty pork in it. So anyway, I met John. I fell in love with him the night I met him. I fell in love with you too. We stayed up until, I don't know, three or four in the morning talking. And I've spoken with John or been with John in person every single day since the day we met. And after we met, which was before Christmas time, like the big holiday the following year, and we'd been dating the whole time, was his birthday. So I said, what do you want for your birthday dinner? I'll make anything. I think you said lobster thermidor. Yeah, I said lobster thermidor or. Uh, Beef Wellington. No, I said, uh, yeah, and I listed like 45 things. Very complicated dishes. Well, not complicated, just, you know. Work-intensive dishes. Usually people want for big events, you know, something. Like the timpano in Big Night. Right, right, right. They want something showy. And he said, I want carbonara. I just love carbonara. I just want carbonara. The first meal we cooked together, do you remember what it was? 
It was the brown butter... Brown butter ravioli. Ravioli and the chicken, right? Chicken with balsamic. Yeah, we did it on my little Kinsey stove on 22nd Street. In your little apartment that I loved with your tiny rooftop garden. It was very sweet. But we love cooking together. But the the first birthday you had, you didn't want a cake. You were very specific. You wanted cannoli, but you didn't want me to make the cannoli. You wanted it from Bruno. Which is sadly closed. Yeah, it's gone now. My favorite Italian baker. And I tried to write happy birthday. With those little grocery store little squeeze bottles of colored frosting. Right, you went through like 17 of those shells. shells. I went through like 17 shells trying to write happy birthday, John Small enough on a shell. And they keep the pastry, you know, the shell and the ricotta filling on the side. And I just practiced with the shells, thankfully, because I would have run out of filling had I filled them first. But he didn't want a cake, he wanted the cannoli. And he wanted carbonara, which is coal miner's pasta. It's poor people's pasta. Pasta, and it is actually a Roman dish, and it is so misconceived on every menu that it is universally the one thing I never, ever, ever order if I'm in an Italian restaurant. Unless I'm at Via Carota today, I would eat it there because that's a brilliant restaurant. But, you know, this was 20 years ago. People don't know. Everyone assumes there's cream in it or something. No cream in You know, there is cream in several recipes for risotto, but it's not a necessity for making creamy risotto either. The creamy quality of risotto comes from beating up short grain rice. Right, the starch, right? With a spoon, with a hole in the middle, and a round, very important round bottom pot. And that's about technique. You got to do that for 18 Correct. minutes, and right? And it's the same thing with carbonara. It's about technique. Simple ingredients, complicated technique, perhaps. Yes, it's nothing. It's bacon, eggs, and pasta, which is why John has it in present day, literally for breakfast on his birthday. And it's legitimate because it is bacon and eggs. It makes sense. Instead of toast, you're eating pasta. But the creamy quality of carbonara is not cream. It is emulsifying egg yolks that have been tempered with fat, pasta, and the salty, starchy Wait, cooking so what, water. We need to explain what emulsification is and how you achieve it. Because you're using big fancy science words now. It's not a big fancy science word. It just means marrying egg yolks so they don't scramble into scrambled eggs. And any pasta to any sauce, you're emulsifying it when you add that salty, starchy water and fat, good olive oil. You're kind of getting it all to make out with each other and have a love baby that will be your dinner. So how do you emulsify egg yolks for this dish without scrambling them? Well, you got to walk through the whole dish, John. Let's You're go through skipping the whole dish. way ahead in the fucking All right, rewind. Story. I'm impatient because now I want this thing, and you're making me hungry. Well, it's not your birthday, so oh, come on, sorry. people. Actually, I do have a beautiful hunk in the fridge right now of pancetta. So to make proper carbonara, you start out with guanciale, which is pork cheeks, or pancetta, which is pork belly that's similar to bacon but not smoked. I like a meaty piece because no matter what, you're going to get a lot of fat. But I like a meaty piece of pancetta or guanciale so that you can end up with a good bite left to it, like some texture. So for one pound of pasta, for one pound of spaghetti, another great thing about carbonara, there are many great things about carbonara. It's cheap, very few ingredients, and it's good for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And it's if as long as you have pancetta in your fridge, you pretty much have whatever you need to make pancetta. Mm-hmm. 
in your kitchen anyway. Correct. Most people have dried pasta of some sort. But another thing, you know, it's very specific in Italian culture, which cuts of pasta we eat with which sauces. Carbonara is one of those few things, few recipes that you could serve with spaghetti, linguine, bucatini, but you can also serve long cuts, in other words, and you can also successfully prepare it and serve it with shortcuts. So it's a sauce that's very non-specific to the length or cut of pasta. So it is one of those great cheap go-tos for having all hands on deck and just being ready. Yeah, Bucatini or chitara are really both. He loves chitara because chitara means guitar string, and John is a musician at night and a lawyer by day, so he likes to eat spaghetti that reminds him of rock and roll, basically. Yes, John, I know chitara is your favorite. Chitara uh, is simply a square-cut spaghetti. Instead of being round, it's cut square. So you bring home a chunk of pancetta or guanciale and you make a quarter inch or so dice of it. I don't like it when they're like bacon bits at the Golden Corral and I don't like it when they're big slabs of half rendered fat mixed in with my pasta. I like a nice eighth to quarter inch dice for my pancetta and for one pound of pasta I buy a third because John comes into the kitchen after I render it and picks half of it out of the pan. To properly prepare you probably only need a quarter pound or 250 grams but I would buy more because well, you got to snack on the crispy bacon bits before dinner. It's a meal that comes together very quickly. So the first thing you should do is start the water. For every one pound of pasta, you need a minimum of six quarts of water. You cannot cook pasta properly in a small amount of water. So you bring that to a full, rapid, rolling boil, and then you heavily salt the water. As Mario Batali so brilliantly puts it, so it tastes like seawater. The water itself must be salted when you cook dry product, dried beans, dried pasta, dried anything. Because if you cook something, in water that has no flavor, guess what? It's going to have very little flavor. It's the only chance you get to flavor the pasta itself. So huge rapid boil on lots of water, heavily salt. I use kosher salt. I finish with sea salt. I use kosher salt as my everyday salt safe, which is kind of a hand-sized bucket of salt on my counter. I salt the water liberally after it boils because when you add kosher salt or sea salt to not boiling water, it sinks to the bottom and scars your pot. That's why you see Season water after it boils. So you don't want to scar your pots, so let the water boil. Season the water very well. If you don't know if your water's seasoned, here's a thought. Take a spoon, taste it. Not when it's boiling, though. You'll burn your mouth. Of course. Dip it in. Well, you're kind of a princess about that kind of stuff. You're scared of heat. You could just pick up a little bit of water, blow on it, and then taste the water. Does it taste salty? Thrust your face into the boiling, salted water. Listen, this is my recipe, okay? All right, you keep going. When we get to the drink, you can talk, You go, girl. So salty water, drop one pound or half a thousand kilogram package. I buy Sitaro pasta. It's the pasta choice of the Pope. The Vatican buys Sitaro, S-E-T-A-R-O. So that's my favorite pasta to maker for dried pastas. I drop half a package or 1.1 pounds into salty boiling water. Is this podcast being sponsored by Sitaro? Then I take, I don't even think they speak English, so no. (laughs) Then I take the largest, widest skillet that I have and I preheat it over medium low to medium heat. Not too hot, really. And I coat the bottom with good olive oil. So three, four turns of the pan, a good solid quarter cup, four or five tablespoons of oil. You want to coat the bottom, but not have it noticeably with depth. You just want to cover it. And when the oil starts to ripple a little bit over that moderate heat, I add in the 
dice of my guanciale or my pancetta, and I let it render slowly. So you're drawing out a little bit of animal fat. That's why I like meaty, because I don't drain anything off. I leave it all in the pan. You get a little bit of pork fat mixed in with good olive oil, which has a fruity, almost floral, but more to me like laurel, like fresh bay, kind of a vibe to it. So I get this nice mix of green and salty pork fat in the base of what's going to be essentially your sauce. For us, I add, because my husband likes heat, a fat pinch. If I had to measure it, it would probably be a good teaspoon and a half to two teaspoons of coarse black pepper. Black pepper has oils, and the oils bleed into the pork fat and olive oil and give it a nice amount of heat. I don't salt the dish until the end because the pasta water, of course, is salted. We're going to add a a shitload of cheese, and there's just no need to add salt. But I do add kind of a medium rind of black pepper in there, a good amount, and let that bleed into that oil and pork fat. My husband pretty much doesn't eat anything without garlic, so I crush three or four cloves and get them chopped up and ready to go, but I do not put them in until we're ready for, like, stuff to happen. I also chop up a fat handful of flat-leaf parsley, very fine chop, and again, I just get that ready. I don't put it in until everything's ready to happen, and that's to give a little bit of a grassy finish to a pretty rich luxe dish that's got a lot of salt going on, that little bit of grassiness, I appreciate. We'll get to the versions I've made of this over the years at the end, but these are the basic building blocks. So I've got my mise, my mise en place of the garlic and the little bit of uh, very finely chopped parsley waiting. I've got my black pepper working with my rendering guanciale or pancetta in olive oil and my pasta is boiling away. All of this stuff is happening simultaneously. I started years ago when I didn't know anything. Reading Italian recipes, people would use two, three egg yolks. I use five or six for a pound. I've gone way up over the years. Just the yolk? It just can't be rich enough for me, and and I just love the brilliant color of it. So I use five or six yolks only. If you're cracking and separating eggs, save the whites if you want to have a healthy breakfast that makes you feel better about your arteries clogging and shutting down the night before. Or chuck them, I don't really care, I can't see you in your kitchen. But if you knock an eggshell into the bowl, you should be cracking your eggs on the counter and then into the bowl. But if you cracked them on the side of the bowl and you drop a shell in there... Shells like to go back to shell. Stick the shell, the broken shell, into the bowl, and like a magnet, a bit of shell will go back to the bigger piece of shell. It wants to go home and then throw it away. Don't fish your fingers around in there. Then I beat up the eggs with a fork. If you're whipping eggs with a whisk or a fork and beating them up, poke the yolk first. It'll come together a lot quicker if you're using a whole egg. Here we're only using yolks, so it doesn't matter, but that's just a little aside. So, you know, hit the yolks. Mix them together. Great. Everybody's getting along. Your pasta's boiling. If you don't cook a lot at home, read the package directions. If you're using Sitario, it'll say 10 to 11 minutes. Make it a minute at least less. I go about two minutes shy of the recommended cooking time for al dente, which means to the tooth or to the bite. It's going to have carryover cooking. It's going to continue cooking because you have to process it and toss any pasta with its sauce. Whether you're making a pesto or a marinara or carbonara, you should be marrying all of the pasta with all of the sauce. I live in New York City. That's not a crime in my building. That's just New York City. 
Back to the story. When your pasta is where you want it, you're going to take a coffee mug and pull out about half of it. So three quarters to a cup of that starchy, salty water. Put it off to the side. I just dip it in with a mug. Dump out the pasta. Take the pasta water. Add it slowly to the eggs. You're tempering them so they don't turn into scrambled eggs. Add all of that. That's John being anal and closing the window. Taking away all of the atmosphere. Well, I want these people to hear your lovely... Whatever. Anyway, you slowly add the water, not too slowly, don't be precious about it, but add the water while you're spinning around your fork or your whisk with your egg yolks, add that all together. Then you're going to add in a fat handful, a good three quarters of a cup each of Parmigiano Reggiano and Pecorino Romano. True Romans would tell you only use Pecorino Romano. I like a mix of the two. Buttery, nutty Parmigiano, salty, tangy, sheep's milk Pecorino. So I like a marriage of the two. Mix that all together. Oh, sorry, skipped one thing. When you dump the pasta, go take the garlic and throw that in with your rendered pork. Let that stir around for like 30 seconds to a minute while you're adding your cheeses to your egg mixture and your hot water. So it's in there like a minute, minute and a half. So then we put the pasta into the fatty oil, the pork fat, pancetta, guanciale, black pepper oil with garlic now. We toss, we toss, we toss, we toss to coat everybody evenly. We've done nothing with the eggs at this point. This is very important. Everybody, everybody's combined and coated. The pasta is now hot and it's equally coated with our fat. Now we're going to pull it off the heat. Just slide it over. Add all of your egg cheese mixture. Toss, 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 toss vigorously for a solid minute. Like literally clocked a minute. Watch your clock change on your microwave or whatever. Literally a solid minute. It will thicken slowly, slowly. First, it'll just look like white worms squirming around in a big bunch of yellow liquid. It'll thicken and thicken and thicken in front of your eyes. When it's just about there, it's still got a little little liquid left. The sauce is starting to come together and get viscosity. Then you add in your parsley. Toss, toss, toss. Pull out a piece with your fingers, preferably, tastes better, or a fork, whatever, if you're uptight. Taste it. If then you want more cheese, or you want more pepper, or you want to physically add salt, go ahead. I never physically add salt, I would just add more cheese. Serve it immediately in a shallow dish, and if it doesn't taste fruity and rich and luxurious, drizzle another fat drizzle of good olive oil over the top and retoss. It should feel like sexy, crazy, salty velvet that's just slightly sweet from all those egg yolks. When you buy eggs, this is one you want to buy the best eggs, period. I buy Aracana eggs. They're these crazy chickens that look like Billy Idol with like feathers coming out the top of their head. And their eggshells are blue and green and they sell them in regular grocery stores. Carol's is one brand. Pete and Jerry is another brand, Jerry with a G. So I'm assuming that's a woman, short for Geraldine. If you can't find those, just get the best quality eggs you can. The reason I like Aracana eggs is they're fed a lot of marigolds in their diet and the egg yolks themselves are not really yellow, they're orange. It will be the brightest color carbonara if you use great eggs and a ton of yolks. So next day, if you had any leftover, which we never do, you could put it in a frying pan with more olive oil and crisp it, and it would be like chopped up spaghetti hash and put an egg on top. Again, your cardiologist will hate you, but it's delicious. And if you want variations, please don't add cream. You can add and bleed saffron and a little bit of water or chicken stock and... 
add that as your hot liquid rather than the starchy cooking water and make a Milanese style. Milanese risotto, for instance, is pancetta or guanciale with short grain rice and saffron broth. So you could add saffron to this to bump it up. In the spring, you can sprinkle in some fresh peas that have been quickly blanched for a couple of seconds to really bring it to life and finish it with a hint of tarragon or something interesting. But the building blocks of carbonara do not include cream. They are bacon, eggs, and pasta. Now, that's John's favorite dish for any holiday, New Year's Eve, his birthday, Valentine's Day. On his birthday, he's here for breakfast. My husband is a wonderful mixologist. For any Italian meal, my favorite cocktail of my husband's is he makes a hell of a Negroni. Honey, will you tell him how to make a Negroni? It's the opening arms of every Italian meal. And it's a great cocktail because you can build it in the glass. You don't need a shaker. You don't need a strainer. All you need is like a rocks kind of glass, and you need ice. What I will do is fill a glass with ice, put in around two ounces of gin, an ounce and a half of Campari, a half an ounce of sweet vermouth, a couple of dashes of Angostura bitters. I'll do like an orange wedge, squeeze it in there, a lemon twist, and stir it up with ice, and that's it. You're done. And you have a Negroni. It's very bitter, but like in a cool way. In a sexy way. In a sexy way. We were supposed to do this in 15 minutes. We've been on for like half an hour. I think we, we gotta go to dinner, I think. Yeah, and we're actually not cooking tonight, so we, we should leave. Bye. This episode was produced by myself, along with Ian Cohen, Joel Yeaton, a.k.a. The Wizard, and Sean Petrosian. Thank you all. You can find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Kathy's Plate or go to www.beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Just the Plate, a production of Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy.